I'm Michelle. And I'm Rob. And welcome to Two, Two Librarians, Librarians Walk Into, into a, a Shelf. shelf. Uh, welcome to our fourth episode of our podcast. Fourth episode already. Already. Wow. Yeah. All right. Rob and I work at the Madison Public Library, part of the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library System. Today, uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite mysteries. Mysteries. They're so mysterious. I think they are. <laughs> this has become one of my favorite genres, but before we get going, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. What felt mysterious about libraries before you worked in one? Before I worked at the library, if I ever attended a library event, it just seemed simple. It was put together, everyone knew what they were doing, you just came in, you had a good time, you did whatever, and you left. Now that I'm in the system and helping plan and set up events, I realize that months and months and months of planning and meetings and phone calls and just incredible teamwork and everything goes into them. And that's why they seem simple because by the time we have them, everybody knows what their, their job is yeah. and what they're doing and what we're doing and what we're going for. And I've been a part of some really huge events down at Maine the downtown library branch where Mandy Pinion, who is a professional, puts the greatest events together. Her events include a full arcade, a waffle bar, three escape rooms, Dungeons and Dragons, contests, prizes. It just blows your mind that you walk into a library and all this is going on. So it's really, it was really shocking. I just figured I'd breeze in move some tables and chairs around and we'd be good? No, no, not at all. Um, what about you? When I started working in libraries, I was shocked by how much time is spent um, working with people, the public, your coworkers, whatever, versus how much time you spent, uh, you know, with books or ordering books or managing books. I don't know, that worked out. I really like working with people it's not like I thought we would just come in and sit at a desk and read a book all day. That Nobody gets to do that in a library. That's Sadly, no one gets to do but that But everybody in a thinks that's what we do. Everybody does think that's what we do. We do not do that, by the way. Um, but no, we spend a lot of time helping people, working with people. And, uh, you know, a small percentage of our time is managing the books, buying the books, um, making sure people have the right books, the books that they want. Um, or, you know, movies or CDs or audiobooks or whatever. All of it. It's mostly about people, and I, I really like that. That's so cool. So it was a happy, so happy mystery. Before we get into our picks, we have come up with a top ten cozy mysteries with animal puns in the title. You would not realize how many there are, but we were able to whittle it down to the ten best. So... Ten t top 10 cozy mysteries with animal puns in the title. Number 10, Bark of Night. Number 9, Gone Gull. <laughs> Number 8, Lark, the Herald Angels Sing. Number 7, The Perfect <laughs> Murder. Number 6, Santa Claude. Number 5, The Hen of the Baskervilles. <laughs> Number 4, Whiskers of Evil. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> Number three, Duck the Halls. Number two, Lord of the Wings. <laughs> and number one, Careless Whiskers. 
<laughs> so those are all real cozy mysteries available through the Huntsville Madison County Public Library system. Yeah, we've got multiple copies of those all spread all throughout all the branches. If you feel like a lighthearted mystery with uh, some good animal puns, you know, we can help you find one. Beware the whiskers of evil. Yeah, or the careless whiskers. <laughs> the careless whiskers. <laughs> all right, so what, what book are you gonna talk to us about today? I'm gonna talk about uh, Sunburn by Laura Lippman. Uh, most people recognize that name. She's written a bunch of books and they're almost always bestsellers and I think that's for good reason. Her 2018 release, Sunburn, was the first Laura Lippman book that I read and it's the book that sort of let me know that I liked mystery thrillers. The book's plot and pacing, to me, I felt like they were pretty perfect. The mystery sustain, sustains itself throughout the whole story and it keeps you on your toes. Uh, and the way that Lippman unveils her setting and the feeling of the book is sneaky. Uh, you don't really notice that's what's happening while you're reading. You're concentrating on the characters and the next thing you know, you have a picture of where they are and what they're doing in your head, which I think is a, is a skill that not all writers have. The reveals are interesting and they don't feel sensational. Uh, and the book feels like it's two trains traveling toward each other on the same track and the outsider can see the inevitable crash the train conductors cannot. Uh, so you're, you're on the edge of your seat, like, oh, like, settle down, everybody calm down, it'll be fine. The main character's name is Polly. She meets Adam at a diner in a sleepy Delaware town, and they both claim to just be passing through. They both stay and begin a steamy affair. Polly is trying to keep Adam at arm's length, though, and Adam is trying to get to know Polly despite her efforts to keep him away and despite the warnings that he keeps receiving from someone else about her. And the identity of that person that is giving him his warnings isn't revealed through most of the book, so you're not quite sure what's coming. The line from the description of the book that kind of caught my attention is, is their love strong enough to withstand the truth or will it ultimately destroy them? I don't know, I felt, I thought it was gonna be cheesy, it was not. This book has shady insurance companies, it has steamy love affairs, it has nosy coworkers, murders, and a few really great plot twists. And I really liked Polly. She's stubborn and she's a fighter and she doesn't back down from getting what she wants. So we have several copies of the book throughout the whole system. We have the audiobook in the catalog and you can also find the audiobook, which won an award in 2018, on Overdrive and Hoopla. Well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. The book that I'm going to talk about is The Colorado Kid by Stephen King. It's a shorter book by King, um, a mystery. Starts off with the new staff of the Weekly Islander, who's uh, the editor Dave, the founder Vince, and their intern Stephanie. They've spent the afternoon with a big city reporter sharing some unsolved mysteries. And after that, Stephanie asks the old timies, the older guys that have been there forever, if there was ever an honest real life mystery that was never solved. And they kind of give her the details about the mystery, a mystery that happened in 1980 when a body was found that came to be known as the Colorado Kid because that's where they tracked the person from coming from. And it's a real weird roller coaster ride of clues leading to dead ends and clues leading to bigger clues to dead ends. And it really is the perfect crime it more or less goes unsolved, making this more of an anti-mystery since most mysteries have a wrap up, uh, a revelation of what's going on. 
And I think that that's what makes this one so unique is that it really does present a, a, an almost perfect crime. And the reason that Dave and Vince don't share that with, with anybody is they, they fear that a big city reporter would have to clean it up and give it an ending so readers won't be frustrated that it's unsolved, which is probably very true. And so with Stephanie knowing about the, uh, the mystery, she'll be able to keep it alive and continue to add information to it as she goes on uh, with the Weekly Islander. It's really a cool little story. It, it, it won't take you long to get through it. We do have a copy available in the system as well as the audiobook. And the book actually inspired a TV series called Haven, which we have available uh, from many, many uh, of our branches. Did you watch Haven? I did not. I don't, I, I don't know how it ties into the book. Well, the story, I think it was picked up by Sci-Fi, the Sci-Fi channel. The TV show is paranormal. Oh. So is the book paranormal? I guess if you read it with a paranormal in mind, you could probably make it paranormal. But I didn't read it like that. Okay. I read it as a straight murder mystery. Maybe if I go back and reread it as a paranormal, it might reveal itself. Okay. I don't know. So there, there's a mystery within a mystery and a non-mystery. Interesting. Interesting. I will mention that this book is part of the hard case crime line of books. And these books reprint a lot of classic mystery novels from years ago, a lot of new mystery. They have a very distinctive logo with a gun on the spine. It says hard case crime. So they're very easy to find. They're not recognizable as hard case crime within the system, but they, uh, they have books by Max Allen Collins, Mickey Spillane, Donald Westlake, Lawrence Block, Ed McBain, Krista Faust, and Michael Crichton, who, while he was still a, a med student, wrote a series of crime novels under the name John Lang. Okay. And all those are available. So you can definitely go onto Hoopla, put in hard case crime, and it'll pull up a whole list of hard case crime ebooks and audiobooks. Nice. And there's a lot to explore there. So. All right. Sounds good. So the mystery movie I'm going to talk about is A Simple Favor. It was based on a book. The book did not get good reviews, though. I have not read the book. People did not like it. Huh. But the movie got great reviews, <laughs> and it was really popular. So the story, I guess, the story was there, but maybe, who knows why? Who knows? So this movie has kind of a special memory for me. So my roommate in college, after we would get home on weekend or whenever, super late from our you know, crappy college jobs. We would watch movies together. That was our thing. Some, sometimes it was bad movies, but sometimes it was good movies. And we still do that when we can, but, you know, we're, we're older. We have children. We don't have a whole lot of time to sit around and watch movies late into the evening anymore. But we made time to watch this one, popped some popcorn, sat down, had no idea what we were getting into because the previews didn't make any sense after you watch the movie. <laughs> That's so, true. So we, we sat down to watch A Simple Favor because we both love Anna Kendrick since she was in Twilight. So, you know, we're just fans. So the movie starts out, you've got Anna Kendrick, her character is Stephanie. She's a, a mom blogger, she's a widow, and she's trying to, you know, create a really nice childhood for her son who has lost his dad. She's active as, like, room mom. She's active in after-school activities, you know, just... She's presented as kind of like a stereotypical helicopter mom at first. And then she meets Emily, who is like a high-powered PR executive who, you know, is almost never home and uh, her kids need 
nannies and you know some of the other moms at the school uh, talk bad about her because she she's not just a full-time mom so suddenly Emily goes missing and Stephanie is trying to solve the mystery as to where she goes this movie is so full of twists and backstabbing and deceit as Stephanie tries to unravel this murder mystery she you know begins an affair with Emily's husband and you know this it, it almost feels like a lifetime storyline, but it's done with really beautiful cinematography. The acting in it is really great. Anna Kendrick does awkward super well, <laughs> and she is she and uh, Blake Lively in this movie are hilarious. So I didn't read the book, but I really liked the movie, and I think you, I think it's worth watching. Okay, well you recommended it, and I watched it, and it was good. It was very good. Well, good. I don't know that I want to read the book if if it's. No, it did not get good reviews. Okay. Well, maybe somebody has read it and you can tell us, you can compare it to the movie for us. Yeah, let us know. All right, my movie is an older movie, of course. Uh, Blowout from 1981, written and directed by Brian De Palma. In this one, John Travolta is Jack Terry. He's a sound man in Philadelphia working on a cheap slasher movie whose director tasks him to not only obtain some new sound effects for the film, but to find the perfect scream for the movie's big shower murder sequence opening. So Jack is in the park recording ambient sounds when he hears the screech of tires. He turns his attention and a car swerves out of control, goes over a bridge into a lake. He dives in, the man driving the car is dead, but there's a woman in the car and he saves the woman and brings her out. At the hospital, he finds out that the man driving the car was Governor George McRyan, and the woman in the car, Sally, was not George McRyan's wife. So the authorities ask him to just forget about the woman, and already there's a cover-up going on. Because Jack specializes in sound, he goes back and he listens to what he's recorded, and he can hear the distinct shot of a gun before the tire blowout. Mm. So now he, he knows. He also looks at photographs that were mysteriously taken of the accident and sees where a muzzle flash is visible. So he starts putting this together. Of course, no one believes him. They think he's a kook. It's all conspiracy theories. No one killed the governor just because he's going to be a presidential hopeful. It's silly. Well, it's exactly what's going on to the point where there's an assassin, Burke, who is after them now to get the tapes, to wipe out everybody, and to tie up all the loose ends. And the easiest way for him to do that is initiate a string of murders, senseless murders, that the uh, newspaper credits to the Liberty Bell Strangler. So he gets busy just killing people, so he's creating this killer. So when he catches up with Jack and Sally, he can wipe them out and there's no question as to what happened. It's really a tense, tense thriller. It builds to a great conclusion. And actually, after this huge buildup and, and, and revelation and, and, and the end of the movie, then there's one more shock that we find out about Jack got the perfect scream for his slasher movie director. And it's really a disturbing moment. Yikes. Yeah. De Palma was always criticized for maybe ripping off Alfred Hitchcock, I don't find that to be true. I think filmmakers will borrow from one another and whatever whatever technique that he's borrowing from Hitchcock, particularly the split screen, he makes it his own. His split screen shots are just tense. 
there's something going on. Every corner of the screen, your eyes just don't know where to look to get the information that you need. He was really at the top of his game when he made this. It's a very, it's a, it's a beautiful looking movie. Lights, angles, there's a lot of stuff that he puts into this that just makes it a joy to watch. This came after Dress to Kill, his big 1981 thriller, and right before his breakout studio film, Scarface in 83, so he really was at the top of his game. Blowout is available system-wide. There's a couple copies. I'll mention that the Madison Library copy is on the Criterion label, and it comes with an extra movie. It comes with one of his earlier movies that most people don't know about, Murder a la Mod and it's a black and white thriller, and actually one of the characters in Blowout is watching it on TV in the scene. Nice. And the copy that we have uh, at Madison, the Criterion copy, offers that movie. So you get two, two De Palma movies for, for one. It's available, you can put it on hold, pick it up anywhere, and the movie itself then is also available on Hoopla. Nice. Well, I hope you find something you're interested in from listening to our episode today. You can uh, find more about our picks. You can look at our blog. What's the blog address? The blog address is blog.hmcpl.org, and you have got links to all the titles on the blog for everybody to check out. Yeah, straight to the catalog. Easy peasy. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our episode today. We'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project. I think that one was a lot better. <laughs>